Father God, we just thank you for every divine opportunity we have to come into the place of worship, to give you thanks, praise, glory, and honor with brothers and sisters in Christ who love you, even as I do. God, we pray that you would open our ears and hearts as we believe you've already begun to do, that we might hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. As I stand in this place, God, I just thank you so much for Pastor Michelle and Father for making it a shepherd's house to equip and power and, and equip your people for the work of the ministry to edify and build up the body of Christ that is here that she's called to shepherd. May she lack nothing in all that she needs to continue to go forth, spiritual, physical, financial, mental, and social. And God, I thank you as well for every one of these, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that they just don't know how much of encouragement you've used them to be to me. But I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for their giving. I thank you for their prayers. I thank you for every word of encouragement every time I step in this place that I get from one or two or three of them personally, God. God, I pray for them as I think of Paul when he said to the Philippian church, I feel so much like that when I come here. That God, as they've given once and again to my necessity, that you would, oh God, meet all their need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That they will lack nothing that they need in their homes. They will lack nothing that they need financially. They will lack nothing that they need relationally. Father, and on and on and on. And God will give you the thanks, the praise, the glory, and the honor as we trust you to do these things in Jesus' name, by your spirit, and for your glory, Father, alone. Amen. Amen. Second uh, Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Um, I tell you, Rockside, you are a blessing to me. And I so appreciate you. Um, I know you support so many others in missions. And uh, this doing some even greater missionary work than I'm doing. And, uh, but I thank you for what you have done for ministry reconciliation and for Gail Reese. I do. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if there, if, if, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given to us, not just Gail, but to every member of the body of Christ. He's given to us. He's given, not Pastor Michelle has given to us, not Gail has given to us. God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ when Jesus walked this earth, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And he committed unto us, us again, <laughs> the word of reconciliation. Now then, we, every one of us, are ambassadors for who? Christ. Not for Gail. Christ. Not for Pastor. Christ. We're his ambassadors at work. We're his ambassadors at school. We're his ambassadors at the grocery store. We're his ambassadors when we're on our street walking the dog. We're his ambassadors. Hello. In everything that we do for Christ. As though God did beseech you or Paul would say them. Everywhere you go. 
by us. We're to be praying them in Christ's place as his representatives. We want you to be reconciled to our church. <laughs> no. More than coming to this church, we want you to be reconciled to God. For he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Is there any napkins? I mean, uh, uh, tissue paper anyway. All right. I just felt led of the Lord to give you that scripture right off. But I want to share with you today. Thank you so much. I want to share with you today um, some testimony of what God has been doing uh, through the ministry of reconciliation and those that we have stepped out in communities with and all of you, our partners, have helped to be done. Say open doors and open hearts. Open doors and open hearts. That's what God has been doing. 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, A great and effective door is open to you, and there are many adversaries. 2 Corinthians 2 and 12 says, Furthermore, I came to choice to preach Christ's gospel. To preach Gail's gospel. No, Christ's gospel. And a door was open to me of the Lord. I'm telling you right now, so many doors have been opening. It is mind-boggling. So many hearts are receptive and open that I stand in awe of God. That's all I can say. Doors that I didn't knock on, doors that I didn't even push to be open. God has opened in Northeast Ohio in the last few months. I'm going to just try to show you a little bit of it just from March up until now. In March 14th starting, we actually did go to some schools and asked if they wanted some school assemblies. Principals were saying yes, I had to stop asking because every time I asked, there was a yes and no no's, okay? And so they opened the doors to their schools. Not only did they open the door for the school for assemblies during the daytime, but some of them actually paid for their own school to be open after school so that we can come back and share some more. And that speaker came to come back and share the gospel in those same schools. Not only did the principal open the doors to do that, but we talked to pastors in the community and the pastor stepped up and says, I will pay for that school to be open in the evening if you bring Jesus back to it. And that door was open by God. Nine schools we went in in the month of March and April that God opened the doors to come in. We School assemblies, we literally talked to 2,170 students in those nine schools. And when they came and talked, they talked to the children about making right choices. The choice to obey your parents, the choice to go to school, the choice that you make. He said, and, and this is the theme of one organization, one ministry that we partner with called Sports World. You are not born a loser. You're not born a winner. But you are born a chooser. <laughs> you aren't born a winner, you aren't born a loser, but you are born a chooser. And that word opened the door for the evening and after school assemblies or outreaches that we would do. Because you know the choice we're going to talk to them about then, the most important choice that you need to make in your life. 
And that's to surrender your life to Jesus and become a child of God. Okay. The choice to go to school is good. Y'all go to school now. The choice to do your homework is right. Y'all do that. Okay. The choice to not to hang with the wrong folks. Choose the wrong friends. Huh? The choice not to do drugs and alcohol because the enemy will use it to destroy your life. But ultimately, the help you're going to need to make sure you make them other right choices is to make the ultimate best choice to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life and God to become your Heavenly Father. In those assemblies, we actually gave them cards where they could respond back. Nobody was pressured. We told them from the front. Some of the principals said, you don't have to fill this card out at all. All right? It's your choice. But because we gave them to them, 739 students said that they're going to say no to drugs and alcohol. 766 students said we want to make the choice to be nonviolent because we talked to them about stopping the violence in their communities. 572 students, listen to me, completed the card out, names, numbers. And they said to us, we want to maintain right choices, and I want to be a part of a right choice support group. 572 students at their own accord said that and gave us the card back to say, I want some help. All of this excited me. But on the other hand, I was a little grieved. Because we're lacking something. Laborers. And so keep that in your heart and mind as I go forth. So all total out of in the back after school assemblies and the outreaches rather that we did in some schools that allowed us to come back. We had hundreds of kids and some of them came back with their parents. And when they came back to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ, we had 121 decisions for Jesus of young people that surrendered to Jesus. That was God. And that was March and April. One of the schools I was so excited about came at the last hour and says, hey, I know you did all them similes, but can you do one more? <laughs> I adopted that school. And these was, let me back up a little bit. These were actually schools that churches had adopted in their communities. They adopted them. They've been going in as tutors. They've been going in to do mentoring. They've been going in and being hall guards. They've been going in and, to, and working in the cafeterias. They took school supplies to the students that needed them, clothes to the students that needed them, hygiene projects to the students that needed them. Because how I many you know Jesus is about meeting the need of the whole person? Huh? Spirit, soul, and body. And so we were called to do that. And so we walked in and loved. And love these children and love these parents and love these staff and principals. And God opened these doors. But in that last one at Nathan Hill, he said, I need a school assembly. We, we, we did what we could real quick because this is the end of the school year in the month of May. Okay, We had to call one of the speakers back say, are you available? Hey, what, what do we need to do? So we pulled it all together. And as we pulled it all together. He was, able, he was able to minister to K all the way through eighth grade. We had the kindergarten through the third grade come in and hear about making choices. They left out. Then we had the fourth through the sixth come in. They spoke to them, then left out, then came to the seventh and the eighth graders. And so we invited them that day to stay after school 
Okay, don't go home. Tell your mom. Call if you have to. Tell her there's, there's going to be something after school that you want to stay for. All right. And this was the last minute piece. <laughs> so the last minute when they couldn't go home with a note to say, Mom, tomorrow can I stay after school? You know, they said, okay, how's this going to do? <laughs> how's this going to work? <laughs> okay. Believe it or not, children were waiting outside at the door. The, the, the security guard didn't know what was going on, really says, y'all need to go home. He says, well, we're staying for, the, for this after-school event. And then he says, well, you got to go home first and, and then come back. I said, no. I, heard, I, I said, no, the principal didn't tell them to do that. The principal said they can wait here at the school. <laughs> and so they came and they waited. And then they start opening the door for them to come, come in, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 kids start coming in. And then all of a sudden I start seeing mothers and I start seeing fathers that were coming to pick them up. Instead of taking them home, they came inside the gym. And before we knew it, we had 122 people in that gym that was there listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 38 of them made decisions for Jesus. After they heard that gospel message at that school that we did a quick work <laughs> with the help of Jesus. After these events, we wanted to begin to put together the student leader right choices support groups. First time we're doing it. So in one school, we had four young ladies that showed up. They came three times. On the third time that they came, we gave the gospel to them. All four of them accepted Jesus. And so we invited them to a church home in the community. One was mine and some others. And believe it or not, since May, one of those young girls had been coming to my church every single Sunday. Only miss one. In fact, I had to go out and text her this morning and say, Miss Gail's not going to be there this morning. I'm coming late. But I just want you to know where I was. <laughs> she says, okay, thanks for letting me know. A new baby in Christ. She didn't wait for the other three friends to show up because they've been saying they was going to come. But she's she, she been coming whether they've come or not. But the other precious thing is that she's never read a Bible. She was like me when I first got saved. Didn't know Jesus, never read a scripture. Went to church, went down to dry center, came up a wet center. Hello. Didn't meet Jesus when I did that at nine years old, but eventually at 17, I came to know the full gospel of Jesus Christ, of his death, burial, resurrection, his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of my sins, and that he would heal my brokenness, heal my pain, heal my hurt, cleanse me from the drugs, the alcohol, and everything else that was tearing up my life. And he came in and made a difference. And I picked up a Bible for the first time in my life at 17 years old. All those years I went to church, nobody ever gave me a Bible. So one of the first things I did with this baby was put a Bible in her hand. And I tell her, of course, I told her she had a Bible app. But you know what? She doesn't even look at the app. She is so excited about having her own first Bible. And then sitting in church, and she's fumbling trying to find, and I have to go over and say, wait a minute, sweetheart, when you can't find it quick enough, just go to the contents. I said, that's what I used to do. <laughs> just find the page number. <laughs> and eventually you're going to know where the scriptures are. And I'm looking at her every Sunday, and now she doesn't have to go to the content page every time. She can flip and know exactly where the book of the Bible is. Thank you, Jesus. New babies in Christ. Um, I'm getting you ready. Because you have some new babies coming up in here. 
Y'all did something awesome with those three VBSs. People came to Christ. They're new babies. New babies. I mean, how you know they don't know how to feed themselves? How I many know they, don't to, they, they can't put the Bible in the, the bottle in their mouth by themselves? How I many know they can't change their own diapers? And, and how I many knew they are gonna make some poop mistakes even as new believers? <laughs> Hello, and you got to lovingly change them like you lovingly change your child or your grandchild. Come on now. Come on. As new believers, we got to know how to treat these new babies. They're going to oops up in here sometime with profanity. Hello. They're going to oops up in here sometime and talk about y'all. Behind your back to the sister and, you know, and she don't even realize you're listening. Huh? New babies in Christ. They don't know what to do. We had some new people in Christ come one time, and, and, and instead of sitting out here, we, we have a choir stand, and they went, and all of them and their family sat in the choir stand. We didn't tell them to move. Because <laughs> service had already started. <laughs> but they're new babies. You got to love them where they are. <clears throat> well, East Cleveland School Ditches opened up to us this year for the first time. We did an assembly there. We did a Stop the Violence rally. We had workshops in the Stop the Violence rally where we talked about anger management, conflict resolution, social media do, do's and don'ts, suicide prevention. We had all the, we didn't, it wasn't just a rah-rah because our kids need to know some things. They're hurting, putting up guns, packing guns in their, in their pockets and in their car. Huh? So we got to teach them how to control anger that it won't control them. We got to teach them the dangers of social media. It's good to it, but there's some dangers in it. So we had all those type of workshops. But at the end of the day, we're going to give them Jesus. Huh? Because the greatest thing you can do, because out of, out of, a, a good man out of the good treasure heart brings forth what? Good things. But an evil man out of the evil treasure heart brings forth. So we got to teach them that the heart change comes when you get Jesus. He takes that old stony heart, gives you a new one, puts the Holy Spirit in there, and then you can have a heart that brings forth good things. But just like heart transplants, you got to keep that heart clean. That's why you need to be in church every Sunday and every day of the week. That's why you need to hide God's word in your heart so that you won't sin against him. But we got to teach them that they don't know it. But over in East Cleveland, we got the opportunity. They call, And let me tell you how the doors are opening. Now, Pastor, you, Michelle, you better start doing 10 minutes, 5 minutes, okay. But uh, let me, in East Cleveland, one of the lowest income cities in Northeast Ohio, I got a call from a pastor of a clergy alliance. And then he told me that the, the, the president of the school board wanted to sit down and talk with me because they're having violence problems. And we want you to do your Stop the Violence initiative in our school. And we want to start in the middle school. I didn't knock on that door. I didn't go to East Cleveland. East Cleveland came to me. And then come to find out the board, director, the uh, head of the, the board of the, uh, of the director, what is it? Head of Board of Education. The head of the Board of Education, I said, who did you say she is? I says, I know her. She was a principal at my alma mater. I worked with her for years. And now she leads the Board of Education in East Cleveland. 
And she said, you tell Miss Gail, I want her in here now. <laughs> I said, and I always said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am, again. And the principal was with open arms. And they cleared it through the superintendent of the school district before we came in. And we had our last rally over there in April. And the rally there. After school, again, 122 people showed up. It was more than they have ever had anybody come back for an event in that district in years. So much more. Somebody got on the phone and called the superintendent and said, you better come and see how many kids that came back to school for an evening event in your school. He came back and was astonished. And in that astonishment, we yet gave the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, 14 decisions for Jesus. And I want to tell you, though, about what happened in this one. One parent that I began to talk to in the midst of the, the evening before everything, we got to the gospel and everything. And, uh, yep, she was, you know, filled with profanity, you know, every other word and everything like that. And, and I just put my hand on her shoulder says, you know, she was talking about some, some bad things that was happening with and her kids that were making some bad decisions. And I said, you know what? I said, God's going to help you through that. And I just put my hand on her lovingly. I said, but you know what? I believe you're going to receive something today, too. It's going to help you with how to deal with what you're dealing with. And she said, I hope so. And she stayed all the way to the end, all the way to the gospel message. And guess what? I looked over at her table. She stood up to accept Jesus. Her daughter stood up to accept Jesus at the same time. Now, this parent, new babe in Christ, just made a decision. At the end of the Stop the Violence rally, <laughs> all of a sudden, somebody said something to her daughter and made her mad. And she began to say, uh-uh, nobody mess with my kids up in here. I, I whoop, I, I mean, really, I, I'm not going to give you all the adjectives, but she had some. <laughs> okay. And the principal had to begin to try to walk her to the door. The security guard had to come walk in the door. And then the other parent got mad. No, you, you ain't going to do nothing to, oh, yes, I will. This is back and forth. So all of a sudden they said, oh, y'all call the police because they're always going to be in the parking lot. And, and, and they know what usually go on. And in the name of Jesus, I tell you, it did not come from my mind. It did not come from anywhere but in here because I didn't think. But I screamed to the top of my voice. In the name of Jesus Christ, I come against every spirit of anger and violence. You will not prevail in this place. There will not be anything in this parking lot. Today, I declare it in Jesus' name. Peace will prevail. Peace will prevail in this situation. And I mean, people was looking, and, and I was too. Because it just came from here. It didn't come from here. I didn't know what to do in my own self. Okay. Because there was about to be some tornadoes up here. But the Holy Spirit began to arrest the situation. And before I knew it, they had pulled the other mom and she started walking on down the hall, didn't say another word. And that mother that was at the door, who was the most one who got, gave her life to Christ about 30 minutes ahead of that. <laughs> she said, she turned to the principal. Came down like that. I'm so sorry, Miss Townsend. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I, I just don't like nobody doing things to my children. She said, I'm so sorry. And then she walked out the building in peace. Nobody but God. New believer in Christ. But they got to grow. They got to learn. But those are the people that God wants us to reach. 
not to run from, not to make our theme of conversation on the phone. Huh? Do you know what's happening over there in that East Cleveland school? Lord, that mercy, they, they, they out of control. <laughs> All right. But what are we going to do about it? First intercession. Next thing, Lord, I'm listening for you to show me what to do. And definitely they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then after receiving Christ, they need to be discipled. God's opened the door to the Lorraine City School District. I got a call. <laughs> I was actually at the Cleveland Metropolitan School District attendance rally, not knowing until a day before that the superintendent was going to ask me to come to that rally because he wanted to honor me and the adopt school network. I was like, what? Yes, he wants you to come. And all the dignitaries were on the stage, and they brought me up to the stage. What I didn't know as well was that they, had, they knew all the, the different churches that adopted school. At that time, it was about 50, 50 churches. Okay. They literally, when they brought me up to the stage, all the schools were listening because all the students couldn't come to the rally. It's a attendance rally where they're trying to get all kids to come to school and be on time. All right. So they had this whole assembly being uh, shown at every single school in the district. So when I stood up there, you know what they did? They talked about the adopted school and what the adopted school was having with the attendance in the school district. And they began to scroll down every church name that was listed as a church that adopted a school. I later was at a school and one of the kids says, I saw you and I saw that all them churches that adopted the schools. I said, I, I didn't know about it until then. All I knew was I was in the front. I didn't know that they were scrolling the body of Christ, sharing what the Lord was doing through his church into every single school classroom. God, I didn't ask for that. Then I'm at the attendance rally, and all of a sudden, this guy comes running down from the stage, uh, the, uh, the stage, uh, bleachers. He's running down, and he says, Gail, Gail. And I'm like, and it's Jeff, who actually used to work in the Cleveland School District, but he's still friends with the folks, folks there, so he comes together with them, and he just came together to be a part of the attendance thing because he was thinking about doing what they were doing at his school district, which is Lorraine City School District. And so I used to work with him as a principal and, and when he was in Cleveland. So he runs down and says, I need you in Lorraine. I said, now, Jeff, <laughs> Lorraine's a little ways away from here. <laughs> But you know, sometimes you plant seed that you don't know you planted and God waters it and brings forth. I used to be the regional coordinator for the marches for Jesus in three states. Ohio was one. And I had to help all the cities in the Ohio, New York, New Jersey area start March for Jesus. So Lorraine was one of my target areas. And I went over there for years praying with them, believing God for all of Lorraine and going over there, helping them start the March for Jesus and get it going. That was in the 90s. <laughs> but fruit, seed, it started coming up. And so I said, okay, Jeff, let me pray about it. As I prayed about it, the Lord reminded me of all that and says, yes, I need you to go over there. We just started working with them. In the short time that we work with them, we now have 40 churches engaged in adopting schools. All the schools have been adopted in Lorraine, and 80 volunteers have been to trainings that we have facilitated that are ready to go into the school when it starts in a couple weeks. That's God. They're already talking about doing some of the same assemblies and outreaches that we've been doing in Cleveland. 
That's God. God opened the door. God opened the hearts. Richmond Heights, I get a call from a young man. Well, he's not young, young, but, <laughs> but anyway, I'm like, okay, who are you? <laughs> he said, you came to my church, Shoreline Church in Willoughby, and you gave your testimony. And your testimony, I believe, will help my boys. I says, what boys? <laughs> he says, I'm working with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I got a huddle team of, of football players. Football players. I'm female. They're male. <laughs> okay. I did that only once in life. No, twice in life before. And that was years ago. And I says, okay, Lord, do we, 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 do we have the stamina to do this? He said, yes. Go to him and assist him. And I went and he had got all these 23 football players in a, in a room, and, and then they had to come out of the room because the school was doing something. He says, meet us over at the outside uh, uh, foyer, whatever they call it. I said, okay. So we went over there. God had so prepared those young boys' hearts. When they sit and they listen to the testimony of my life, which I'm not giving you up today much because I want to share with you what you and your support has enabled us to do. But those boys opened their heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ through my testimony. And I looked out, you could hear a pin drop. They were so quiet. And as I looked at some of them, they were even writing notes of things I was sharing. And when I finished, out of those 23 boys, 17 of them, 16 of them accepted Jesus. Five of them wanted assurance of their salvation. And one of them rededicated his life back to the Lord. And one didn't know whether he was accepting Christ or assurance of salvation, so he checked both of them. <laughs> okay. But the thing is, he checked them. And the other thing is, is this, that I did not tell them what to check. The gospel message was clear enough for them to know what decision they were making for Jesus. Because God told me, he said, don't, I don't want you, when it's time for them to fill that card out, don't give them not one prompt. Trust me that I have allowed the message to come through with clarity that they know the decision that they're making. I said, yes, Father. And then recently we heard of 70% of the Cleveland School District students of third graders failing, not going to the fourth grade. 70% of third graders failing, not going to the fourth grade because they do not read at their level. That was heartbreaking to me. Again, Jesus is about the whole person. Huh? I'm concerned about their academic success. I'm concerned about whether they have food to eat. I'm concerned about other needs in their life. If they can't read, they won't be able to do what I did at 17. They won't be able to pick up a Bible and read it because they can't read or comprehend. And so when I heard that, I says, okay, God, what do you want me to do? He said, start some summer reading clubs. And so I said, okay, I talked with my point person at the district. I says, look, God is laying this thing on my heart. She's always open to hear what, what we want to do next. Thank the Lord. 
And so I told her, what about summer reading clubs? Because she and I, about 15 years earlier, had, she had brought me into a session she did on reading initiatives with parents. And I talked to her, I said, is that still something? She says, no, we aren't doing that now. She said, but we can re-up it. <laughs> I said, well, I'm, I'm in. And so we did that. I says, but for me, I believe God wants us to always, from the church, go to the school, but also bring the school to the church. Huh? Amen. Y'all got, you'll get to catch it later on. All right. But the reality is, I said, I called some of the churches that have adopted schools. I said, I need some reading sites at your churches. And it was a quick work again. And I said, and I got four church sites, mine and three others. And we got those sites. And so they began to send that out across the district. Now, unfortunately, the district, not unfortunately, it was good because they need to be doing uh, summer programs from the district. But because of that, they couldn't get as many kids to be able to come because they were already signed up for the uh, reading summer, the other summer programs that the district had. But they said, but nonetheless, this reading thing is so important, we're going to send it out. So when they sent it out, we had about 30 kids that said yes from different schools. Parents were ready to sign them up. But when we finished, we had 19 students that came faithfully weekly to many of, of, the, of the other sites. We helped them. Was it real? Was the need real? I was privileged of God to sit with some of them myself and to help them in the reading reality of what we were teaching them. I ended up with a third grader that could not read at his level. His reading was a first grade level. One of the other churches ended up with a student, first grade, did not know how to recognize an A, a B, or a C. First grade, did not know alphabets. So definitely we couldn't start with reading. We had to start with actually teaching them the alphabet. Fortunately, we were able to get 30 volunteers who off and on came and, and helped and mentored different students throughout the summer because we wanted all of them to get one-on-one -on -one help as much as we could. And so some of them didn't want to be the mentor, but they came and helped with the, 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 the supplying of the food. The other one couldn't be the mentor, but they helped us keep attendance. They came and then all of them, most of them said, I'm going to give something and help when we do the ending closing celebrations. So we gave them certificates, we gave the volunteers certificates, but the students got certificates. And we invited them back to a big celebration at all three, three of the sites that maintained. One of them had to fold into the other one. When we invited the kids back to one of the celebrations, school supplies, fun, family fun. Children don't play much anymore. God had told me to get all the outside games I could find. So I got little soccer nets. I got the badminton net. Hello. I got the, uh, 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 what do you, what do you, the, uh, jump? yeah. <laughs> we, we had the limbo thing. <laughs> you go up under the limbo. We had a basketball hoop. Hello. We had jump ropes. We had hula hoops. And when I looked out across the parking lot, the church parking lot, they were jumping rope, they were hula hooping, they were doing everything we had put out there. The kids were just all over the place. And when we got ready to do the contest, 
There were parents, because we wanted to be family fun. We invited the parents and the students. I saw parents lining up. Johnny, get your jump rope. Mary, you can do this. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and they were cheering their children on to win the jump roping contest, to win the hula hoop contest. Having a ball. Nobody was cussing nobody out. Nobody was being violent. There were smiles and, and hollering of activity and fun. And then God said, reel them in. Y'all know what I'm reeling them in for, right? <laughs> put them up under the tent, those that can fit, those that can't. Tell the kids, stop, put the jump rope down, put the hula hoop down. Oh, come on over here, Miss Gail, got something to say. And they all, I stood there. I stood there and I watched them. I watched them get quiet as a mouse. Outside, I saw them. I saw them wiping sweat from their faces because they were hot. But they didn't move. They didn't go away. They didn't. They didn't. They stood right there or sat right there to listen to the gospel message that was being preached. All over a hundred of them. And when we finished, thirty-six people, mothers and children, accepted Jesus Christ. As their Savior and Lord. This was just a few weeks ago. And when I saw them, I thank God that I pulled together the new believer pamphlets and everything. And, and so I asked, I says, bring them in. And, and, and so we took them into the church and took them downstairs, Pastor Dama and, 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 and Pastor Michelle, and, and seats like this. And they just came in graciously. And some of them said, Is this a church? Is this a church? When I heard, I've never been to church. Is this a church? And they came in there, he sat down quietly. But the other joy I saw was that there were a parent and then another parent and their babies accepting Jesus Christ together, filling out the cards together, checking off accepting Christ together. And I saw two little boys, one that I had to mentor as a reading mentor. Accepting Jesus, him and his little brother. I said, God, worth it all. Worth it all to give them the wholeness of a God that cares about every era of your life. I'm at this place now. My little children, who I'm veiled in birth for you. Because the Bible says, as soon, as soon as Zion travailed, guess what? She brought forth. Travailing prayer. I've been crying out, God, give me this generation. Help me to be used of you and walk with you and labor with you to bring them out of darkness into your life. Born again by your spirit and the incorruptible seed of your word. Make them new creations in Christ Jesus. God, give us divine opportunities. And not just Gail, but every church. Because Jesus was the one that left the recorded of what he did when they brought the little children to him to bless them, to touch them. They just wanted Jesus to touch them. But when they came to bring them to Jesus, the disciples pushed the children away. Huh? 
Jesus looked at him. The Bible says Jesus was much displeased. Not a little bit, a lot. He was mad. And he said, don't do that. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For such is the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible says he took him up in his arms. You want to know the posture we should have over this young generation? Here it is. He took him up in his arms. He laid his hands on them. And he blessed them. That's what the Lord is calling us to do for this generation, for such a time as this. Abused. Abandoned. Hurting. Dealing with drug addictions and alcohol addictions. In their life, in their parents' life. Dealing with incarcerated parents. Huh? This generation of young people. Some even have good parents, but they're out there just making wrong choices because the wrong people come into their lives. Huh? It's the hour now to embrace them. And what I say to you, new believers are getting ready to come. Jesus said, he went about all the cities and villages. It said of him, preaching the gospel, healing all men of sickness and all manner of disease. But when he saw the multitudes, I want you to get this picture of Jesus. Because that's the picture, we're to, we're, that's the posture we're to have. If we're not there, Lord, help me to get there. Matthews 9, 35 through 38. When he saw the multitudes, how do you, what, what goes off in you when you see the multitudes at the grocery store? When you see them at the shopping mall? When you see your neighbors on your street? When you see your, your peers at your schools? What goes off? Jesus said he was moved with compassion upon them. When he saw them fading, hurting, wounded, like sheep without a shepherd. See, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors huh? in his harvest. And then he immediately called the 12 and says, I'm going to send you to go, preach, heal the sick, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. Because I'm going to send labors into the harvest. But we got to keep praying. God, send labors. Some of you, God has blessed your life. How many have been saved for a year? At least. Raise your hand. Two years. Five years. Six years. Ten years. Fifteen years. My God, twenty years. 25, 30, you have been a long time walking with Jesus. How many folks have you shared the gospel with in your journey? How many folks have you been a labor to, to love in the harvest of Jesus' field? Whether you do it with your church or whether you do it individually. Jesus left us here to reach a world. When he came, he said, God so loved the world. The world was on Jesus' mind when he came. That whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. But how would they know about Jesus if we don't tell them? Then when he got ready to leave, before he sent it back to the Father, he said, I've got to remind my church what's on my mind still. 
I did all I could to reconcile the world to God while I was walking around Galilee and, and Judea and Syria and Sidon. Everything I was doing was here to reconcile people back to God. But now I'm leaving my church to continue to do the work. Every born-again believer, ambassadors for Christ. Every born believer, reconcilers of people to God with the ministry of reconciliation. Every born-again believer, if you don't know how to share your faith, you need to find an evangelism teaching and learn. Because he left us here for that purpose. If it weren't for that, we could all go home and be with Jesus. Worship people, people did an awesome job. But I mean, ain't no, ain't no better worship than in heaven. <laughs> Hello, Pastor Michelle, I'm sure, preaches some good word, teaches some good word over here. I mean, she can't, she can't be Jesus <laughs> in heaven as the great teacher, as the great preacher. So why are we still here? Because Jesus said before he left, go into all the world. World still on his mind. He came, he suffered, hung on that cross, shed his blood, died, rose up, and he had, I got a message for you before I leave. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every person. But they all ain't going to accept it. He that believe and is baptized will be saved. He that believe and not shall be damned. So it's not up to us to make them believe it, but it is our privilege and responsibility to give it to give it shall we pray there's anybody in here who doesn't know Jesus he loves you he died for you if sin is in your life pain is in your life sorrow is in your life Jesus died on that cross to free you from every work of the devil and to forgive you of your sins if you've never met him as Savior and received him as Lord of your life and you know that you need a change in your life today Jesus is the one that you need to reconcile you to God that God will not be just a, a, a God that created the heavens and earth and sun the moon the stars and what he did but when you receive Jesus God becomes your heavenly father if there's anybody in here that don't can't, can't, you don't know for sure whether Jesus is your Savior and Lord, whether God is your Heavenly Father right now, I want you to raise your hand and say, I don't know for sure, but I, I want to know today before I leave here. Anybody? Anybody? Don't leave here without knowing for sure. Without knowing for sure. Got to get that done. But church, I just want to pray for us right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that you are privileging us to be labors together with you and labors together with one another. Help us to grasp the truths that we received today. And God, where we've fallen short, where we've been so self-focused, I know now why you say to us, Help us to hear it and receive it. That when you call the disciples, you said, come after me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You said, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. 
God, self gets in the way of so much of what you called us to do. Help us, oh God, to become people that would be willing to lay down our lives for others. God, help us to be willing to go. Forgive us for the times we've heard this message about going. And we just said, oh, that's for sister so-and-so, or that's for brother so-and-so, or that's for the evangelism team, or that's just for those people on the mission field. No. You said every believer. Help us to hear it in our spirits and begin to be doers of being those that will be reconcilers, ambassadors for Christ. Asking you to give us divine opportunities daily. Asking you if we don't know how to share our faith that we would learn. Father God, if we don't know how to be intercessors, may we be like your disciple that says, Lord, teach us how to pray. Like John taught his disciples. Help us to be willing to learn. God, because all around each and every one of us, God, is your great harvest of men of women, of teenagers, of children that need Jesus. Heaven is real. We sang so gloriously today about heaven, about holiness, about where you are and our worship of you. But God, there's multitudes who don't know the first area of any of that. But we do. Some of us have known it for two years, five years, ten years, twenty years. God, change us now. For you said in the last days, these perilous times would come that we see. But you said ultimately, you would send Jesus back. Only when this gospel is preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, then, then shall the end come. Then shall you send Jesus back for your church. Help us, God, to get busy doing what you left us here to do. Bringing in those babies and then being taught how to disciple them and help them to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for your word. Show each of us individually and collectively how to be doers of it in Jesus name by your spirit and for your glory alone we pray amen amen